I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the afternoon on AusBiz Australia's only live streaming business and markets channel. Great to have your company as we kick off the afternoon with the call. Uh, 10 stocks that you've suggested and I put them to an expert panel and we've got a beauty today, Carl Kapalinga from Think Markets out of WA. Carl, good to see you. And, uh, Thanks, Henry, Koshi. Great Henry to be Jennings here. Jennings from Marcus today. Always good to have you who's tasting freedom. Uh, or <laughs> we're now tasting the freedoms that Carl has had all year in New South Wales. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I know, it's great, isn't it? I even went to an inner-city pub for dinner on Tuesday night. How about that? Whoa, did it felt strange? Well, I don't often go to inner-city pubs for dinner, so it didn't feel that strange because it yes. hasn't been... It's not a regular thing. But it was, uh, it was kind of nice to be out, and it was, uh, yeah, it was nice to see people yeah. and have food cooked for you and actually delivered to you rather than having to wait for your name yeah. to be called. So, no, it was good. Um, Carl, what's the feeling in the West? to uh, news of New South Wales opening up and potentially Victoria. Is it oh, ho-hum, you guys? We've, we've been doing this forever. No, no, look, not at all. No, it's fantastic to hear that, you know, the progress that's been made in New South Wales. Hopefully Victoria could get there pretty soon. Now, we take no pleasure in, in, in misfortunes of anybody else over here. We're more concerned about the, the crashing iron ore price cost you than anything else. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And also keeping your GST. Um, well, I love that. You know, <laughs> we're, we're, yeah, I mean, that's that's only an issue when the iron ore price goes down. Yeah, yeah. Henry, the front page of the West <laughs> Australian last week when Dominic Perrottet was uh, appointed leader of uh, or Premier of New South Wales, an entire front page on the Western Australian saying, enemy number Dom, this guy wants to take our really? GST money away. Oh, uh, well, that's... That's a good start. I mean, if you're hated by the West Australian, that's probably not a bad thing to be <laughs> it's a tick of approval, CV, no. got to say. It is a tick of approval, definitely. Exactly. <laughs> All right, let's get on to the share market. And as regular viewers would be aware over this two weeks, I've been, I've been really nervous about the share market, the height of the share market. I noticed the IMF uh, the other day was saying share market values are stretched relative to economies. I always get concerned in September and October because that when, seems to be when the share market crashes are about. For us mere mortals, we fear these crashes. For experts like these two, they see it as a great opportunity to actually buy good stocks at decent prices. So uh, they have their, their watch list, which we should be having as normal investors to uh, take advantage of pullbacks. And so I've asked them to uh, each of our panellists this week and next week to give us one stock that we should put on our watch list for a, a pullback or a crash. Uh, Carl, what have you come up with? Yeah, look, it's, it's really hard to do, Koshi, because obviously, you know, the idea of a crash is a bunch of things you'd love to buy. I 
narrowed it down to one though, and that was uh, Goodman Group. So Tikiko GMG, and that's the the um, industrial and commercial property developer, big on the warehousing side of things. And it's it's just such a high quality stock, and it's never cheap. I mean, that's that's I think the way you want to look at this idea of what do I buy if there's a crash? You're looking at absolute premium, top shelf quality blue chips that are on sale. And frustratingly, and, and we've, we've had a buy on this um, for well over a year, but you have to take that leap of faith with GMG that they're going to deliver that that great growth that they have been delivering, because it's 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 you're not you're not getting it at a cheap price ever, but you never yep. do. So look, a crash. Let's say it's half price. It's on sale. That would be the first one I'd go to. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's an it's a really good theme that's uh, that's emerging uh, this week because um, Domino's was another one that's been suggested. Always outrageously yeah. expensive, but delivers. Yep. Uh, yeah. Fisher and Pike all very similar. Um, Washington's whole Pat's another one. Uh, Henry, what would you have on your watch list? Uh, well, well, thanks for the question. I went slightly left field, I must admit, and I kind of cast my mind back to what happened last crash, if you can call it the crash, the COVID panic that we saw uh, over a year yeah. ago, back in February 2020. And I, I, I've got to say, I've been around for a few crashes and they're never much yeah. fun, uh, to be honest, for anybody. But they do provide opportunities. And the opportunity that we took last crash, if that's what you want to call it, was in a stock called the Long Short Fund. LSF is the stock code. Now, this is an LIC. So this is a listed investment company. So these guys are under the stewardship of Mark Landau. Uh, have done exceptionally well. I managed to pick up this at just over a dollar when things were getting turfed out. And the beauty of some of these LICs is that when the market panics, they tend to sell these assets down quite significantly. Not only do they crash themselves, but they also then get a bigger discount applied to them. And I think there was about a 35, 40% discount at one stage for a bunch of assets that had already fallen. So for me, that was a pretty much a golden opportunity. As I say, uh, we picked them up in, the, in our small cap portfolio at around a dollar, dollar five. They're now two dollars eighty, just over a, well, a year and a bit, year and a half later. So they've done extraordinarily well. Uh, and these guys, it's a hedge fund, so it does have short positions as well as long positions, which does give it some kind of uh, a little bit of a shock absorber in times of trouble. So that does help them. But I just love buying assets. Mm for 70 cents on the dollar. And the great thing was that the market bounced so quickly as well, if you remember back in yep. in March of 2020, that this thing got left behind. So you were actually buying things that had moved already at a discount to where they were trading through this fund. So for me, it was an absolute no brainer and has done very well for us. So I was lucky enough to chat to Mark as well on a podcast I did. And he's a lovely guy, great team, very expert at what they do. And, you know, I, I'm not a smart person, but if I could invest in smart people at 30% less than their brains are, uh, are the assets in their brains are worth, then that, yep. to me, is an absolute, well, yep. it's a no-brainer. Yep, Sorry. absolutely. Really good rationale. <laughs> I love it. No, excellent. Two good additions there. All right, let's get into the stocks that uh, viewers want us to have a look at. And Henry, Ali wants a view on CV Check. This hasn't come up before. Uh, Ali says, recent numbers seem pretty convincing. How does this one look for the long term? It's a technology company. Um, Screening and verifying um, references and CVs for employees. They said they've done more than 300,000 verification checks every year. Um, As I said, I didn't know it was around, Henry. 
no, I've, I must have been. I've come across this one before, Koshi. Interesting enough, I was at my accountant's yesterday doing my uh, my personal tax return. And he said that everyone lies on their CVs. Huh? Everyone lies and no yep. one ever bothers to check, which I thought was, was quite a cynical view. Maybe that's true. But these guys are actually in the business of checking your credentials and making sure that you're not telling porkies on your CV. It, it has had a bit of a higgledy-piggledy kind of trading history. I've got to say, I, I think it's a pass from me. I'm sure there's lots of competition. And again, I, I suspect it's another one of what I call the penguin stocks. Once you get a lot of um, big clients on board, then you know it's easier to get new clients. So once one penguin jumps, uh, you get yeah. other penguins following. It's a bit like the Dubber story, which has been an absolute uh, success for a lot of people there. It's been a great uh, ride for Dubber. But th this one's only capitalized on, what, 70 million? They put out some flash results the other day, uh, which weren't too, uh, they were actually quite flash in some respects, but the share price has just been trading in a bit of a channel. Uh, it's a tech stock. Um, you've got to get that traction. They do the police checks, the, all the other kind of checks, international checks as well with degrees and, and previous employers. So it certainly does have a place, but it's a matter of getting those big guys over the line. They do have a pretty good list of clients, but for me, I just it just doesn't really float my boat, really, yeah. I've got to say. Um, okay. It just doesn't have that leverage, I guess, mm. for me. Uh, Carl? Yeah, look, I mean, there's a decent business there, no doubt. Um, they're just going operation, operational cash flow positive. We're probably going to turn a profit and FY22, maybe, uh, well, maybe FY22, definitely an FY23 based upon my forecasts. Um, the other, look, it, it, like Henry said, there's a lot of competition in this space. So they're not the only player. Um, XREF is probably the other one you want to keep an eye on, ticket code uh, XF1. Uh, and they are, they're, they're, they're bigger and they've got more global exposure as well. So we have, uh, we currently have a buy on that one. I must admit, I hadn't done the, the numbers on this one. After, obviously, I've done a lot of research on XREF. Having looked at this one, my opinion hasn't changed. I still think XREF is the better pick uh, in this space. Not to say that um, this one isn't isn't good too, but I would probably just go for, for XREF. Um, it, look, it's, it, you're paying about 65 times FY23 earnings. So there's some execution risk in just getting there. But there is some nice growth in the business. That's probably come, going to come down to sub 20 by FY25 to illustrate how much growth is there. We've got a fair value target of about 28 cents, currently trading at 17. So that gives you a bit of a buffer. Look, I think, you know, if you're in it, there's enough in there to hang on to it. If you're not in it, based upon obviously my, my other research on XRIF and the fact that the chart on this one is pretty flat at the moment. Um, I don't think I'd be buying it. Okay. All right. Uh, now, Louis, Carl um, uh, wants a view on Tesserent. Uh, Louis says, uh, I'm a long-term holder. I've been topping up more and more in the low 20 cents of late. I believe the business had a long growth pathway still to play out over the next 10 years. Market cap around one and a half times um, annual recurring revenue, positive EBITDA, which is unusual for small caps. Uh, got a few key government customers in the general and also general cyber security sector uh, has tailwinds at the moment. I love the long-term opportunity, but can't work out why the share price isn't growing over the past 12 months. Am I missing something? 
Yeah, isn't that the question we all, always ask ourselves as investors, <laughs> isn't it? You know, am I missing something? And especially when you've got a company like this, which you know appears on the face of it to be ticking all of those boxes. And you know, I do think there's, there's it's a great story. You know, cybersecurity. I mean, if you know nothing about anything, uh, you know that this is becoming a bigger and bigger and bigger issue. Um, so it's in it's in a growing uh, market, and they're they're they are the market leader within Australia and New Zealand uh, for their services. And it is a really uh, comprehensive suite of uh, of of uh, offerable, com- comprehensive offering that they provide to customers. And that's occurred because they have bundled up uh, about a dozen businesses over the last few years. And that comes with it um, some execution risk. And maybe that's what the market's uh, not liking. I do know uh, a number of analysts, you know, I speak to a lot of analysts and and, and they tend to, tend to frown. Uh, you know, there's this this, this uh, distaste, if anything, for, for these businesses that gobble up businesses. And look, I, I'm, I'm not one of those types of analysts because I think, you know, if you can make it work and find those synergies, um, there's some opportunity there. And at the end of the day, it comes down to valuation. I think the valuation is pretty reasonable on this. Um, I, I did I did a, a DCF on this and, you know, of course, there's some risks in forecasting. But, I, you know, I got 30, 38 cents on a company that's at 24 at the moment. So I think there's some um, comfort mm. there for for Yep. <laughs> for Louis, uh, in terms of holding it, because obviously he's already in it. Um, for for viewers who are thinking about buying it, um, you know that valuation gives you some support. The chart is not awful, not fantastic. I think if it can close, I'll give you a, a number, um, because I like to buy things on momentum. So I wrote down if it can close at twenty six cents or better, that would tell me that that uh, short term momentum has turned up enough to confirm what is a fledgling long-term uptrend just beginning uh, and then it would start to look good i think to fulfill um those uh, those those that valuation target for me so uh it's it's a definitely a watch uh, if you don't have it it's a hold if you do have it um, an okay. interesting one all right henry favorite of, of mine uh, in some respects we, we've added this to the portfolio at four cents saw them up to 40 took profits um, and then I got into a bit of trouble because I, t- I, I suggested that people take the, the rest of the profits at 30 odd cents. And I got a phone call from Jeff Lord, who is uh, one of the major shareholders in this thing. And he's quite an intimidating person. He reminded me a little <laughs> bit of uh, John Elliott. And I got a, a very intimidating phone call from Jeff Lord saying, oh, I hear you're bagging our company. So I need to come on your podcast and put the record straight. So I, I, I chatted to Jeff and Kurt Hansen from uh, Tesserent. And Carl, I love the fact that you can do a DCF valuation. That's fantastic, without even mentioning an ETF, which is such refreshing news for me, because usually Andrew uh, Wyland and I do, do a show, and, and it's, it'll be straight into uh, an ETF hack. Um, this one, I've got to say, for me, the key thing, and I looked at their company website, and I looked at their structure. Now, the key for me is a gentleman by the name of, where is his name? Uh, I wrote it, I had him down here. Um, yeah, Nathan Knox is the man. Nathan Knox is the man. He is the general manager of Synergies. Now, this company has run fast, big time. It's made lots and lots and lots of acquisitions. And this has been a good thing. This really has propelled that uh, annual recurring revenue. They're looking at a run rate now of over 150 million, which is fantastic. Ashore put out a massive report on this stock. And then funnily enough, about three or four days later, uh, the company announced they were doing a capital raise. So you don't put out a big report unless you know there's a capital raise coming. So they raised 45 million bucks at 21 cents, which has kept the market in check. 
But general manager of synergies, Nathan Knox, is the important guy because it's all well and good tacking on businesses. But unless you can get the synergies out of those businesses, then it's a problem. The other problem they've got is, is finding people. You know, there's not that many cybersecurity experts just rolling around the place without a job, let's face it. So yeah. that is a problem to get uh, staff, so much so that they've actually uh, committed and they are funding their own cybersecurity academy to actually train people. So mm -hmm. I think this one is starting to look interesting again. Cybersecurity very much on the, uh, you know, it's very much in people's minds at the moment. I don't want to bag it because I've got another phone call from Jeff and I'll be in trouble again. So for, for me, it, we do hold it in, the, in our portfolio. Only a modest amount. I was hoping that the 21 cent uh, capital raise would see a little bit of indigestion and maybe flip below it. Um, but it is building. Tech is, you know, starting to look appealing again as interest rates come down a little bit. So um, it's. I think it's a, a speculative buy from me. Oh. It hasn't quite got the fervor that it had when it hit 42 odd cents. But it's certainly the acquisition's good. The run rate is really good. But Nathan Knox, if you're listening, mate. Synergies are the key, and I'm sure you're well over this, but uh, that, is get, that is the key to this, getting those costs, uh, synergies, the benefit for shareholders from all yep. these acquisitions. Get it so, under control. Yeah, it, it's, it, right. it, it's, it's, a buy, it's a buy from me, Jeff. Speculative buy. Okay. All right. Uh, Mick wants a view. Uh, Henry on Pan, uh, um, uh, Pan Asia Metals. Mick says, uh, Henry, back in August, suggested I sell Pilbara. Uh, minerals and buy Pan Asian, so I did, and it was a great call. Phew, uh, Pilbara Minerals has dropped twenty percent. Uh, Pan Asia up two hundred and fifty percent. Just after a follow-up on Henry's opinion at forty-two cents, I'm thinking of holding on for the ride. Should I? Of course, Pan Asia is uh, in the tungsten uh, and lithium projects in uh, in Thailand and uh, also uh, the Malaysian Peninsula as well. So uh, what's your view now on Pan-Asian, Henry? Well, I, I'm, I'm amazed that uh, I got such a great rap for this one. But um, I've got to say, you know, lithium, lithium is hot as at the moment. There's some serious movement in some of these lithium stocks. And you don't even have to be producing it to actually be, uh, be going gangbusters. Another stock we're going to look at later yeah. uh, is still yet to do a DFS, a definitive feasibility study, and they are going absolute nuts. And we'll get on to that later. This one, Thailand, mm, interesting. It has gone pretty well, I've got to say. Uh, lithium in Thailand has got a number of projects there. One of the issues with Thailand in the past, and you can ask Kingsgate shareholders about this, is uh, sovereign risk. And Kingsgate, famously, I guess, they were the, the, the gold stock du jour in the, in the early 2000s. Yeah. And they had a project called Chatri up in Thailand, which unfortunately the Thai government decided was so good that they were going to close down, terminate, pull the mining license and stop Kingsgate from mining there mm. uh, for a variety of reasons. They're in court at the moment and due for a settlement with any luck. So the stocks bounce pretty hard. But this just reminds people of the risks there. This is a lithium play. It's early stages. It's all about sentiment. You know, it's come back. It got to nearly 70 cents. It's come back to sort of 40s uh, at the moment. I, I think, you know, some of these things you can you can certainly you want to take profits along the way. But it's good to have a core holding because you never know what these guys will do. Yeah. And the results have been pretty, uh, pretty impressive. 
from there. But, you know, Thailand does carry some risks, but clearly the government is moving to a more mining friendly. If they want to settle the Kingsgate thing, that is a, that is a, you know, it's a tick in the box because it means that at least they're not going to be draconian about future projects from Australian companies. So that is a tick in the box. I'd still be holding, but, uh, you know, my old boss used to say, you know, you've got to feed the turkeys while they gobble. And, um, you know, when they were gobbling at 70 cents, it was a good time to be feeding turkeys, selling some of that holding, especially if you've had a, a meteoric right. rise. So uh, don't be afraid to take profits along the way. These guys usually tend to do the, uh, you know, the pump, then they get the capital raise and uh, rinse and repeat. So, you know, just be aware of that. Okay. Uh, Carl? Yeah, look, very early stages, as Henry said. So um, you mentioned another stock we're going to talk about that's in the process of doing a definitive feasibility study. There's no feasibility studies at all on this one. They're just they're, they're, they're drilling. Um, there's you know there's no uh, mineral resource yet. They're, they're, they're very very early stages. Uh, they they just did a capital raise at forty cents. Um, that was announced, I think, uh, on the the second or third day after the big spike, because that's just what these types of companies do. Share price goes up, you raise money. Uh, $2 million, uh, sorry, $3 million in the bank, $400,000 per quarter burn. You've probably got 18 months before they tap the market again. And even if they did uh, somehow manage to prove a resource there, they're going to need, uh, you know, tens and tens of millions of dollars uh, to be able to do that. So look, on the basis of the fact that it has had such a, a massive run and it hasn't been able to hold those highs, and I think that's the key you've got to look at here when you're talking about the technicals. If something is great, um, it, it will go up, yes, because it's great, but then it will stay up there. And this one hasn't stayed up there, and that's that's the that's the thing that kind of tells me it is a little bit of maybe a, a pump and dump sort of um, thing here. If, look, once we get below 40 cents, um, the people in that placement are going to be in a loss, and we may see some selling as well. So look, it's definitely not a buy for me. I can't even call it a hold. Okay, all right. Um, Speaking of, there's uh, there's a platform I think called Pump and Dump. Um, uh, that uh, people sort of <laughs> investors get on and pump up companies and things like that. Uh, that's the new world, Koshi. That's yeah, the new world because a, normally pump and dump is a bad thing. But if pump and yeah. dump is now a good thing, then you know. No, I'm, no, maybe no. Well, I was interested <laughs> because it's a forum that people go on and sort of talk up share prices and the whole thing. And ASIC went on and got on the forum and says, just to let you know that this sort of activity um, uh, can be illegal, uh, we monitor this forum uh, and, and the people offering comments on it. And I thought, whoa, <laughs> that's good by asset yeah. to, to actually do that. And they posted it this week, earlier this week or last week, I think. And I thought, wow, because there are a few of those around and, and some of them have a, a reasonable reputation, but um, you just got to look below the surface and, and the motives of what happens there. Um, Carl, uh, yeah. uh, uh, sorry, Henry. Yeah. I was just going to say, it's funny with that pump and dump thing when ASIC did put their message up. The following day after they all decided they were going to push this one stock, uh, the following day, the one stock that they were pushing actually came out with quite a positive announcement. <laughs> so... Uh, <laughs> Oh, yeah, so, you know, it, 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 it's crazy stuff that's out there on the on the Wild West. It used to be, you know, there used to be one that's pretty well established now and respectable yes. that was at the forefront 
of this back in the dot-com boom. I won't name the name, but it's got a metal name in its name. And it, it's quite and it's hot. Really hot. <laughs> and, it, and it's hot, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's hot. So, um, but, you know, that was at the forefront of the dot-com boom when it first came out. It was 20-odd years ago. And now, now here we are. We're back again. There's a whole new generation yeah, of I this know. happening. It's fantastic. I know. Just be really Great. wary. All right. Um, yeah. Um, Carl Andreas wants a view on Kena Securities. Uh, this is the, the bank financial uh, company based in Papua New Guinea. Um, they tried to take over Westpac's operations uh, in PNG, got, um, got approval and um, Westpac on side, but then the government uh, knocked it back. Um, what do you think of Kena Securities, Carl? Yeah, it's a bit of a conundrum. And I was about to say, you know, for people coming into the market and, and just starting their, their investing journey, um, look, it, buyer beware, there are no free lunches in the market. And don't think you're going to read something uh, on the internet that, and you're the first person that's read it and nobody else has discovered this and you're going to be able to go and buy on that basis and then everybody's going to discover it after you. It's just not the yeah. case. Uh, there's no substitute for hard hard work and experience. Uh, and that's why I guess uh, people like myself and uh, Henry are, are out there, hopefully, to, to help you out in that regard. Yep. Uh, no free lunch is a nice little tie-in to Keenan Securities because on the on the face of it, this looks like, uh, you know, fantastically priced uh, stock. Uh, it looks crazy, crazy cheap um, on, on, on all the metrics. And it, and it has some metrics that the, the big four banks would kill for. For example, about a 700 basis point net interest margin. Our big four banks are, are at about 200 basis points. So, you know, extremely uh, profitable, profitable, great growth metrics, sort of high uh, single digits. Uh, our banks are sort of, you know, low single digits. So, so is there a free lunch here? 9%, 10% uh, uh, dividend yield, although it is unfranked. And the, the, the problem, of course, is just where they're operating, which is Papua New Guinea, and there is um, you know, substantial sovereign risk that is associated with that. So you know, here's the thing. If, if I um, uh, use a, a low value um, uh, rating in my, in my, my valuation spreadsheet, um, it comes in at 120 as fair value. If I change that to moderate, which I think is conservative here, it comes in at 103. Uh, wow. So you can just see how much, uh, just one cell in a spreadsheet that, that this is what analysts do, right? They make assumptions. Is it moderate, low, high risk? Uh, and once you adjust for that risk, you know, it, it's not as cheap as you would think. So look, I think if you've got it and it's uh, it's not necessarily a core uh, holding, but it's more of a risk money holding uh, in a longer term uh, portfolio, then I think it's it's actually fine. So if you treat it as a risk, not a core holding, then that is a fantastic yield you're going to get. And the valuation is supportive. I wouldn't look at the chart because that's not the type of investor you are. If you're more of a, gro you know, a growth trader uh, looking for the next big thing, this is probably not it. So again, horses for courses. Uh, okay. Horses for courses, yes. All right. So, so uh, a risk, not a, a whole... A hold for uh, if it's on the riskier side spectrum of your portfolio. Yeah, but okay. you know, great yields and reasonably priced. Mm. Okay, Henry. Um, yes, I think I think first up, it's probably a hold. This was once described to me as the Macquarie Bank of Papua <laughs> New Guinea. Now I know <laughs> absolutely like they had they had the smarts and the ambitions. Uh, to do what MacBank have done in Australia in PNG. And of course, one of the reasons was they, they took over ANZ's business up there and they tried, and Westpac tried very hard to sell them their business up there to extract themselves from it, which does beg the question, if it's so good, why are you selling it? And uh, they got knocked back on that one. So 
Um, they, they, these guys clearly got ambition. They've got, you know, as Carl rightly says, they've got margins and SETI ratios that most Australian banks would just yep. die for. Um, but it's PNG. And I know absolutely zip about banking in PNG. I have no concept. And if I've been told that it's the Macquarie Bank of PNG, why don't you just buy the Macquarie Bank? And that would seem, you know, a, a, a far, a far better bet. And it would yep. have done you far better in terms of uh, investor returns buying, you know, the guys that have, have you know, been out there and done this and have, uh, you know, although they are trading at, you know, close to um, 200 bucks again. But, um, you know, for me, Kina is probably a hold and they probably will get over the, the setback of Westpac and rebuild. But they've clearly spent a lot of time, a lot of management resources focusing on that acquisition, getting it bedded down. And then to be knocked back is somewhat disappointing. Yes. And not only that, they've still now got Westpac sort of a lame duck competition in the area as well instead of taking over the competition they have got competition so it's it's probably at best a hold but god if you wanted to buy financial services company there's so many other ones that you know are going to float your boat than keener securities yep. i've got to say uh, all right I'd, I'd rather buy MacBank. To yep all right shabir uh henry wants a view on iris the big uh, uh financial technology company um software provides trading and and market data, Shabir says, with takeover talks ended last month and management team looking at doubling the profit in the coming years, the recent pullback with a 3% dividend yield and good management is a stock you'd buy and forget for the long term. Um, I, I don't believe in the buy and forget for any period of time. I don't think you can do that. Uh, unfortunately, these days, the market moves fast. So I wouldn't advocate that policy. Iris is an interesting one, isn't it? I mean, it's it's industry standard software in, in, in broking, but they've obviously branched out with X plan to financial planning, etc., which is all getting more complicated and as a result, more lucrative for people like this. I guess the question is, you know, the, these guys came along, private equity, EQT came along with a, with a nice big fat bid that everybody jumped at, uh, and then they walked off into the sunset. So the question <laughs> remains, what did what did they see when they did their due diligence that scared the pants off them? Um, and there are some analysts that suggest that maybe they weren't really across the issues themselves, that EQT were a little bit underprepared and that there are no issues with Iris. And, you know, it's all very well for uh, Kirsty Gross, who runs the thing. And I, I know Kirsty from donkeys years ago when Iris first started up and I helped uh, do some stuff for them. Um, it's all very well for them to say, you know, we're going to double revenue. Well, yeah, but yeah, it's Jerry Maguire time. Show me the money. It's, it's, mm. it, we can all say I'm going to double this, I'm going to double that. But the, but the, the history of, of Iris has not been that flash until we saw the bidding game start. Will someone like EQT be back? I suspect in this market at the moment there is potential for that to happen. It may be a, a much lower bid. But around these levels, it's bouncing off 11 bucks. It's probably, I'm happy to give uh, Kirsty the, the, the benefit of the doubt for the time being, knowing that there is also a bit of a backstop there with some corporate interest. But uh, it's, you may need to be patient. It's not set and forget. But, um, you know, if, if they start to get some runs on the board, then uh, this should start to try maybe and re-rate upwards. But um, it could be a bit of a haul 
I have to say. You're probably looking at a bit of a wait for this one. But yeah, it's definitely got some corporate appeal, I think, still. Okay, so you'd have it as a hold? Or yeah. a buy? Okay. Uh, Carl? Yeah, look, uh, it's a tough, it's a tricky one. They've got some, obviously, as you said, the EQT bid got pulled and we will never know why, so no point trying to speculate. It's just not there anymore. Uh, so we've got to focus on what the business does. Um, you know, typical growth rate around about 7 to 8% per annum, and it's been fairly solid, to be fair, um, even through COVID, and that's encouraging. But they've got this big target of doubling profits by FY25, and that would mean we have to go from around seven to eight percent growth to sort of you know eleven to twelve percent growth. And I, I looked at this business long and hard, Koshi, and I, I can't see where it's going to come from. I, I really can't. So. Uh, I don't think it's cheap either. I think, you know, 27 times, uh, or 32 times last year's earnings, 27 times this year's forecast earnings. Um, I, I think that's, I just can't see the value. And I've got a fair value target of 11.43, which is a little bit lower than where it is. So look, I'll, I'll cut okay. a long story short here and say that uh, it's, it, it, look, it's, it's not even a hold. I, 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 I don't want to call it a sell, but uh, no, I certainly can't buy it. Okay. All right. Well, let's recap the uh First five stocks, our crash stocks, uh, Goodman from, uh, from Carl and Henry, the long short fund. Uh, CV check, a no from both. If you want to be in that, that sector, uh, Carl prefers XRF. Uh, Tessa Rent, speculative buy from Henry. Uh, hold from Carl, but if it breaks up above 26 cents and builds a bit of momentum, then it's good buying. Uh, Pan Asia, uh, take some profits. Um, from uh, from Henry, um, keep a, a core portfolio, but but try and take some money off the table. Uh, a no from Carl. Uh, Kina Securities a hold from both Iris a hold from uh, from Henry. A no from Carl. Uh, here at the call, we've been following our own fantasy portfolio since the first of July last year, thanks to our partner Nab Trade. Uh, any stocks that get two thumbs up from our expert panel goes into the portfolio. Uh, for the last week, it's up 2.4%, 1.23% for this for the month and uh, just over 5% for the financial year to date. Uh, since inception, up just over 42%. Some of the stocks recently added, uh, WiseTech Global, 360 Capital, Whitehaven Coal, HT&E and Silk Laser. Some of the stocks removed, Samphire Resources, Adairs, Nexcali, and A2 Milk, after yesterday's massive increase by A2 Milk, the uh, uh, the uh, the panel that pushed that out, I think about two weeks ago, <laughs> certainly left a bit on the table there, that's for sure. All right, uh, let's get yep. it, but that's what investing's all about. Uh, all right, uh, let's get into the second five stocks. And uh, Henry, uh, David wants to be on Ingen Group, the big uh, chicken and turkey um sort of um, farmer raising it, uh, also feed stock as well. What do you think of Ingham's? Uh, love them. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well done. <laughs> Sorry. Um, yeah, I mean, this, this is an interesting one, isn't it? I mean, the, the, I guess that, you know, you put, put stuff in and you get stuff out with this one. It's, it's feedstock is one of the big swing factors and the cost of feedstock for actually feeding your chickens. Um, and uh, production, and we, we've seen commodity prices around the world going higher, energy stock, energy costs going higher as well, which all feeds in, if you pardon the pun, into the whole um, chicken equation. So it's 
interesting. It, it, on the charts, it looks like it's trying to turn a little bit higher. There is uh, a little bit of uh, hangover, I guess. There's a business called Hazeldean, which is up for sale at the moment, and Ingham's have expressed interest in that. Of course, that would take out, I guess, one of the competitors and also give it a bit of a leg up in terms of uh, getting some synergy benefits. So that could be a positive, but it depends on the price they pay for it. There's various estimates uh, between sort of 280 and 450 million for that business, and it would come with some ACCC constraints, but that could be a catalyst for a re-rating. But it's yeah, it's it's hard to get really excited about the chicken business at the moment. But at 380, I think it's it's a, it's a smidge of a buy, so I'm going to have a yeah, buy on it only okay. because <laughs> I, I I think I think it has got potential to re-rate if the Hazel Dean thing does come yeah, off, which is in the wind. It's 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 not it's not really going to be you know it's not going to be top of my list uh, to race out after this and, and and buy it and advise people to but and if I have to make the choice it's probably more a buy than a sell and it's probably got potential more okay. than a hold so I'm going to go right. with buy. Carl, I, I love the confidence there. If I had to, you know, if I really had to, then it's a buy. It's a smidge. It's a smidge of a buy. Um, I agree. I, I agree. If I had to buy it, I would buy it. It's a smidge of a buy. Also, um, look, it's a great defensive stock. So I, I keep, when I come on, I keep saying, look, you've got to find the right stock for the right person. If you want uh, a, a, a growth oriented stock, you know, a stock that's growing 20, 30 times uh, percent per annum, this is not it. It's going to grow at you know, mid to high single digits with revenue growth around about 4%. A lot of the uh, the uh, net profit after tax growth coming from um, just, you know, operational leverage. So uh, working uh, on their, their cost base and just um, improvements in their production system. And and they really are, um, have, have some, some great, pro- had some great progress and should continue to have progress in that regard. Uh, Henry's quite correct. One of the, the little niggling points for me is just the, the, the cost base here. Um, so whilst they're making great strides in, in efficiencies, what's going to happen um, on, on, you know, we've got transport costs, higher fuel costs, yeah. uh, labour costs, uh, feed costs are, are going up as well. So that would be it. But if uh, if you are looking simply on a total shareholder return for a, a somebody who's looking for a defensive stock in their self-managed super fund, you've got a 4.3% fully franked yield. I've got about 7% on it as my um, fair value target. Put those two together, 11% um, for a defensive stock, I think is fine. So mm. if you are that person, I'm happy to buy it here. The chart is not great, but not terrible. Again, short-term trend is down, but long-term trend is up. And if you're a long-term investor, that's the one that matters. Okay. So on All that right. basis, for that type of investor, I would buy it. A smidge okay. of a buy. All right. Uh, um, a new one for the... Uh, do, do you have for, that for the portfolio, for the, a smidge For the labor. We haven't had a smidge buy yet. We've had a risky buy and all that sort of stuff and a tentative, but not a smidge. We'll add it to it. Um, Carl, Jamie wants to view on Australian Finance Group, uh, the big mortgage broking, mortgage origination company. Yeah, look, a lot to like on this one as well. Obviously, it's their, their bull market at the moment. Uh, with housing going nuts more on your side of the country than on our side of the country. Uh, but yeah, fairly uh, reasonably priced stock with, um, you know, fairly attractive growth um, coming into the business as well. But, you know, we're talking again, high single digits to low double digits. 
Um, but, you know, I've, I've got a target on this one of 293. That's about 8% better than where it is right now. The charts, uh, again, not, not great, not terrible. Long-term uptrend, short-term, a little bit flat. Um, look, I think, again, for the, for, for the longer-term self-managed super fund investor that's looking for a total, total return, so, you know, we've got 5% fully franked. That's a big tick. There's a little bit there in the, in the, in the valuation and a reasonable long-term trend. I think you could do a lot worse than this one. But, again, if you're that high-growth investor, it's not for you. Okay. Henry? Uh, I, I like everything Carl said. I like everything Carl said. <laughs> uh, I got to say, you know, you, you'd think these guys would be making an absolute mozza at the yes. moment. I mean, the, the housing market is going nuts. Uh, and in the old days, of course, there was a bit of a um, competitor there, Mortgage Choice, which got taken out by uh, REA Group, of course. And uh, that was a stock I knew well and had followed for many years. I know the founders of that one. Uh, the, um, the AFG, the, I don't know. It kind of trades in a range. It should be doing better. It should be have more recognition out there. I just wonder whether the whole uh, mortgage broker thing is just getting really, really hard. Uh, I have a friend who's a, a mortgage broker and the compliance and, and all that sort of stuff right. now, the hoops you've got to jump through uh, is quite extraordinary. So much so that he decided to give it away. But um, there's clearly, you know, a good need for it. It was one of the casualties, I guess, of the uh, the Hain Royal Commission was yeah. was mortgage broken to some extent, uh, and it's never really recovered. The other one is Resimac in the same kind of space, as well. And it, and it's hard to get kind of direct exposure unless you go to a, a big bank uh, to this market anymore with the mortgage broker. It's a hold for me. Only as Carl says, the yield is quite attractive. It's got a good loan book. Uh, it's the biggest and, you know, there's a certain amount of synergies you get from being the biggest. You can roll out all your platforms, all your IT mm. to, uh, to a massive amount of brokers to do it. But I just wonder about the compliance constraints have really pushed people back towards dealing with the banks directly. Uh, and at the end of the day, you know, when, when mortgages are on such a skinny margin as they are at yeah, the moment, right. you know, 2% two, two mortgages, how much can you really give out to the mortgage broker if, you're, if you've already got your margins compressed? And that is always a problem with these guys, is that the trailing fees get, come under pressure, the upfront fees come under pressure, and at the end of the day, the compliance cost is just not worth it. And the other problem is, is, is this is, goes back to the, my mortgage choice connections, it was finding good people to be mortgage brokers. You know, when you've got an economy that's going pretty well, uh, you know, white collar workers don't quit their bank jobs and become a mortgage broker. It's yeah. um, it's hard to find good staff, yeah. and it's it's you know it's the same everywhere at the moment. So yep. it's a hold for me. That's a okay. long way of saying it's a hold. Yeah, yeah, highly competitive, <laughs> highly competitive market too at the moment with cash backs and narrow margins and the whole yeah. lot. Um, um, Henry Mel wants a view on Tyro payments. Mel says like the story behind this one. And now that we're in a cashless society and with lockdowns easing, uh, does this one have potential to grow? Of course, they do the um, uh, payments machines for small business. Is their uh, is their big one the merchant machines? Um, and Mel, cashless society. Would you believe the Reserve Bank figures show that there has never been more cash in circulation, and the biggest growth is in fifty dollar notes. So. 
There's lots of black money and, and drug dealers and <laughs> who just use. I, I was going to say exactly the same thing, Koshi. <laughs> yeah, it's well, remarkable. Especially they now can't go to the casinos. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, what do you think Pandemic. of Tyro? Tyro Henry. Uh, it's weird, isn't it? I haven't used cash for so long. I've forgotten what it looks like. I used to go to the cash machine and get cash out. Now I've got, you know, all my cards on my Apple Wallet. I just go boop, and it's yep. done. It's um, it's so much easier. Uh, the, these guys, you know, they're the fifth largest merchant uh, banking platform, I guess, for for, for small and medium sized businesses. So it's pretty good in that respect. What I like about them also, and what is somewhat depressing as well is that every week they put out a uh, COVID update. Now, I think we're on week 80. Yeah, which 85, that, that I think. Kind of is, <laughs> is, it, is it 85? It's even worse. I think it was 85. Well, you, I looked at it as well. <laughs> you, guys are on, you guys are only on week two. Um, <laughs> so, you know, it's a significant difference. Uh, you know, in New South Wales, we've been through 107 days, and poor yeah. old Victoria has been through... Yeah, it's trading update number 82 it was. So right. we're, yeah, both, we're both wrong. It's a bit um, but yeah, so that, that's a bit depressing. Uh, the, the problem they had is they had some problems with their terminals back, I think it was around Christmas, Christmas. time. Yeah. And, and they really struggled to, uh, to get confidence back. And there is some question marks over how much compensation they will have to pay for people whose basically the terminals went down. I, I like the whole cashless society thing. But the problem they've got is that... Um, you know, those little square things, they do yes. quite well, don't they? Yep. You, you, you see them all over the place. And, and Square is buying Afterpay. So Square is going to be a bigger presence in our uh, financial environment than I think uh, they are at the moment. And even at the moment, they get glowing kind of um, reviews. And, and the, the, the question, I guess, at the end of the day is how much can they gouge? Actually, is that the right word? How much can they charge? <laughs> for uh, people to go with their machines, how much excess? You know, I'm, I'm an Amex holder, so I'm used to getting uh, gouged for a nice two percent processing fee, so I get my frequent flyer miles. So it's not for me. I've got to say, yep. not 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 one that I would put money into at the mm. moment. It's it's not a sell though. If you haven't got it, I think there's probably better fintechs to play. Yeah. And I just worry about the, the whole. Um, you know, everyone sort of cuts their rates and tries to get the business. If you've got Square coming as well, that's, um, you know, it's hip to be Square. I don't know if it's hip to be yeah. Tyro. <laughs> well, Square, of course, shares the same founder as, uh, as Twitter as well, Jack Dorsey. Yes. Uh, r remarkable effort. And everyone, when that takeover or buyout was going through, saying, oh, it's got to be great for Afterpay, which it will. But it's also great for Square in Australia because... All of Afterpay's merchants will now uh, get an offer. Uh, Carl, what do you think of Tyro? Yeah, well, it's interesting you, you bring that up. I didn't uh, actually put that in my original notes here. But uh, the other thing about Square, of course, is you can pay using cryptocurrency. And as far as I know, and based upon my research, I didn't see Tyro mention that word once in any of their uh, materials. So, you know, maybe that is, is a risk going forward. Uh, incidentally, Kosh, we haven't had a crypto the call for a little while. So better remind you of that one. Okay, all right. I'll put but it on the, the list. <laughs> there is lots to like about this business. Um, great growth, certainly. And, you know, I think as we come out of uh, the, the current lockdowns on the eastern coast, plenty of spending that needs to be done from, you know, cashed up uh, consumers. So, so tick, 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 tick. And um, look, they're, they're not going to make money this year 
probably 20 FY23 is when we're going to get our maiden profit. Typically, that's when I like to get businesses when they're, they're, they're already um, EBITDA positive. So we've got good operating cash flows and we're about to make profits. I think that's the that's the right time to buy these growth businesses. However, you're I think you're already paying too much for Tyro. And that's that's the only um, bugbear I have is, you know, we're looking at uh, 250 times FY23 earnings. There is growth in the business, but we're still talking 100 times FY25 earnings, and that and that's the major impediment for me. So, okay. um, look, it's it's. I think it's I think it's a great business. I just can't pay this price for it. Uh, the right. chart would suggest that um, it's really struggling to break through that four dollars to four twenty-five level, which is about my valuation as well. So, if that's my valuation, I think a lot of brokers have a, have a valuation up there, and therefore we're just seeing selling up there instead of buying. Okay, uh, Charlie wants to know whether you'd pay the current price for Lion Town Resources, uh, one of the best performing <laughs> ASX listed stocks in uh, 2020. Uh, of course, uh, battery metals exploration development company in Lithium has this Kathleen Valley and Baldania um, mining districts uh, assets in WA. Um, Tim Goiter uh, runs it, who I think is a cousin of Richard Goiter who's uh, chairman of uh, Qantas and also AFL, chairs the AFL Commission. Um, what do you think of Liontown after a, a massive performance, Carl? Yeah, well, look, it's, uh, it has had a huge run on the back of the fact that is uh, we're talking lithium here, and it has a, a massive, massive deposit, a uh, high-grade deposit uh, just north of Kalgoorlie. It's in you know, an established mining district, so it's not going to be uh, too hard to get the stuff out and, and send it to market. They are way further down the track than, say, Pan-Asia because we uh, we have pre-feasibility studies in place. We have a mineral resource. We're at sort of um, definitive feasibility studies with a final uh, investment decision to come probably sometime next year. Um, hopefully in production in the next three years, but at least there's a plan to do so. Uh, and, and that's why investors are better served going for something like Liontown Resources than Pan-Asia. Yes, you're probably paying a little bit more for it, but I think you've got more certainty there. Uh, putting all those things aside, we're still a ways ways out from this thing making any money, and you have to treat it as a pure risk play. So we've talked uh, in this session about um, core holdings for self-managed super funds. This is not a core holding for your super fund. It is a risk-only bet, and on the basis that you understand that, and on the impeccable chart. I mean, this thing is bottom left, top right, 10 out of 10, and today's move, I think, confirms that the short-term pullback we had is over and we can head higher. Watch for a close at 158 or better. If we get that, then I'm happy to buy. Okay. Henry? You'll remember that we did a one-stock conviction yes. thing some time ago, and we had a member of ours who, this was their one-stock portfolio. This is the one they got their head around. They met the management. They got comfy with it. At the time, we called him the $12 million man because he had uh, taken his original $150,000 investment into $12 million. Wow. I just did the numbers. It's now $30 million. Wow. And it wasn't that long ago we did it. Um, so that just gives you an idea. Now, I know we talk about diversity and super funds and all that sort of stuff. That's fine if you want 8%. But this is a life-changing $30 million. $30 yep. million. He is in the top shareholder list. Uh, he has 19 million shares. He's up, you know, 14 percent today. Wow! You know, it's extraordinary. Um, you know, so you know, if it, it just goes to show, and and uh, Mr. Goya, uh, Goida rather, 
uh, Tim, has been an absolute uh, speculative stock magnet for so many people, and he has just knocked the lights out. He's doing far better than his cousin, that's for sure, in terms of uh, PA. He's, he's worth billions the way he's going. Now, yeah. the thing that um, I'm, I'm just going to put a little bit of cold water on things because, as Carl rightly says, this has still got a long way to go. It is one of the favoured emerging lithium producers, and it's in the right place at the right time with a big resource, this Kathleen Valley thing. Forget about everything else. It's all about Kathleen yep. Valley. And it's it's a $3 billion market cap now. That wow. is a lot of... Um, that is that is pretty huge. Um, so, you know, at the moment we're seeing uh, another stock going quite well, which I've got some in PA. Uh, I won't even mention the name. But it, again, it's a it's a, um, a local lithium emerging producer with a project uh, in the Northern Territory. So, um, you know, they're up 18% today. So things are going a little bit silly. Uh, I'm not suggesting Liontown is, is silly. And our man with 30 million reasons is, is certainly not thinking it's silly. And I don't want to... Uh, to, to make him choke on his cornflakes in the morning. But uh, at the end of the day, it's a $3 billion company. It's going fantastically. And there is a definite, um, you know, there's a massive momentum shift into these lithium producers. This is despite Elon Musk the other day saying that, uh, you know, there, there's no shortage of lithium. Well, clearly the market doesn't believe that. Yep. So, um, but at these prices, I'm sure that your viewer, uh, when he sent the email, the prices were, were closer to $1.30 than $1.60. So, yeah. It's um, it's it's yeah. hard to it's hard to buy it up here, but equally it was hard to buy it at a dollar, and now it's sixty percent higher. Okay, yeah. so are you going to buy Gosh, it here or not? So it's it, it's a hold. It's hold. definitely okay. a hold. All right. <laughs> I, I, I just say, Koshi, look. <laughs> It, look, it's a, it's a momentum play, and, and as Henry says, it's it's the wild west out there. But I think, you know, from, just for, purely from a technical perspective, you've got to ride the momentum, but be sensible when you see that blow off top. And we're talking a large black candle or a big upper shadow. If you don't know what they are, Google it. Um, but that's when you you start to take some profits, and and be be ready to take some profits on this. The other one that Henry mentioned, which I think might be called Lithium CXO, um, yeah. is my preferred pick yeah. in that space as well. It's, it's well, look, I've been tweeting about both of these. Uh, for a while now, but called lithium is, is the pick. Okay. All right. And our final one, we'll have to skip through this um, a bit, Carl. Uh, Ian wants a view on Aristocrat, the uh, the big poker machine manufacturer, and now online gaming as well. What do you think of yeah, Aristocrat? No I think I can do this one very quickly. Um, absolutely a premium business here. Uh, I think very well priced as well. I think there's plenty of upside uh, in the valuation. I've got a target of 54.47. I think the chart looks very, very good. Bottom left, top right. Uh, I'm happy to, to buy it here if you're a longer term holder. Again, more of a self-managed super fund holding. But, and the big buddies, you have to be comfortable with what they do. So if you don't like the fact that they allow people to gamble their money away, uh, then don't invest in it. If you're comfortable no. with that, then I think it's a, it's a, it's a premium stock. Yeah. Henry? I'm not comfortable with that at all. I, I, I don't like it on that basis. But from a pure money-making basis, Carl is probably right. Uh, they do have an issue with their mobile gaming platform with some of the issues surrounding Apple and some of the, uh, the fees that might impact their business. But, you know, as economies open up and people go to Vegas, people start spending money at the pokies again and the clubs and pubs and people upgrade their poking machines, it should do well. But I abhor the machines themselves. Right, and, so you do it yeah, on a... It's horrible, horrible. An ESG filter. 
And an ESG filter, it fails on a let's just make some money filter, it passes. Okay. All right. Gents, great to see you. Thanks for all your efforts this hour. Henry Jennings from Marcus today. Always great to catch up. And Carl Kapalinga from uh, Think Marcus. Thank you, gents. Thanks, Um, Kushi. Let's just uh, recap the final five stocks. Uh, Ingham Group, the big chicken and turkey poultry group. Um, A smidge buy from (laughs) both of them. Um, If you're after a good defensive stock. Uh, Australian Finance Group, uh, a hold from Henry um, Carl thinks it's well priced for a buy. Tyro payments are no from both. Uh, Lion Town a hold from um, uh, from Henry, a buy from Carl. But both of them in that space prefer a group called Core Lithium in the, the lithium space. And uh, Aristocrat a uh, a yes from Carl. Quality stock. Uh, Henry agrees it's quality stock, but. Uh, uh, wouldn't buy it because of uh, the ESG considerations. It's a poker machine manufacturer which can destroy people's lives. And uh, that's fair enough. And that's what investing's all about. You bring your own filters to it and you've got to decide on that. All right, that's our show uh, for today. Any uh, stocks you'd like me to put to our expert panel, put them in an email, the call at ausbiz.com.au or tweet us using the at TV handle. You'll see uh, all the stocks in the calls portfolio. Head to osbiz.co forward slash portfolio. Ingham's goes into that portfolio today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.